The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. Four oh seven on the Central Coast. It is Thursday, January fifth, two thousand twenty-two. I'm Dave Congleton. Still to come on this broadcaster, Doctor James Armstead is with us at five oh five. Let's uh, get the latest about Ukraine, but also look ahead to what uh, Doctor Armstead thinks will be the major foreign policy issues of the year. Doctor Gene Nelson at six oh five uh, sh- shares his knowledge about nuclear fusion with us. He calls uh, the latest uh, news most important. Scientific news of the 21st century. That's a lot. It is a Dave Congleton show, always your hometown radio talk show. So yesterday we had the mayor on, and if you missed that conversation with Mayor Stewart, podcast is up at 920kvec.com. And uh, when we started taking phone calls, one of the people called in turned out to be our friend Leslie Halls, who's been in San Luis Obispo since uh, the 1970s. And Leslie was of the opinion that things have changed in San Luis Obispo, uh, not for the best. I reach out to Leslie. Guess who's here? The one, the only Leslie Halls. <laughs> Hi, Dave. Hey, what Leslie. an introduction. How are you? I hope I can live up to that. Well, I'm great. Suddenly better. I'm here. Yeah. Well, it's been a while. I'm just nice. It's nice to see you. Well, thank you. I you and I go way back. We do. We do. You remember the day we met? No, I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I'm it, not married was, to you. I don't remember. No, it, was, it was a house on Charles Street, and I didn't know you at all. And you came by the house, and you said, it, uh, "You introduced yourself, and you said today is the fifth anniversary of the death of Eric Seastrand. Would you mind saying something about him?" And I said, "I wasn't here. I didn't know him. But why don't you call in?" And I'll give you a few minutes. And you called in, and that's the beginning of our relationship. Oh, my goodness. Well, that was June 10th, 1995 then, because he yeah. passed away on the 10th. What a great guy, too, I'll tell you. Yeah, I, I missed I missed him. I didn't know him. Well, uh, your, your life is less for that. He was just a remarkable man. Uh, I wish that he were around today, because I think his sweet spirit would be uh, so good to have in government once again. And you worked for him, as I recall. I did. I worked for Carol Hallett for two years from 1980 to 1982. And then I worked for Eric from 1982 until he passed away in 1990. And uh, I think those years were some of the happiest years of my life, quite honestly. Um, I, I loved the job that I had. I felt like we accomplished a lot. But mind you, the political atmosphere in the 80s was very different from what it is today. Yeah. And uh, even though he was very conservative, uh, people liked him. He was a very personable guy. What you see is what you get. And he wasn't, wasn't an arrogant jerk, as I like to describe people. What year did you come to San Luis? Uh, I came the end of 1979. What were your initial impressions of the town? What was the town like in the late 1970s? Well, it was really neat. You know, the airport still had uh, no real terminal to speak of. You got off the plane and then walked across. And, really? uh, yeah, it was very strange. They didn't put in the towers until after 1982 when there was a mid-air crash. Um, town was much smaller. Housing was a bit more affordable, but it was still more expensive than elsewhere. We moved up here from Ventura, and the house that we bought for 65000 there was about 85000 here, so it was more expensive. 
Uh, we, 85000 for a house. Yeah, hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was nice. There were a lot of little mom-and-pop stores downtown. This was pre-Farmer's Market Day, so on Thursday was cruise night. And uh, all these folks would get in their cars and cruise slowly through downtown. It was kind of fun, actually. And then I guess the chamber or somebody decided they didn't like that anymore, so they began the farmer's market, which wasn't really an attempt to encourage farmer's markets, but it was a way of stopping the cruising. Yeah, but it worked. It worked phenomenally well. And when I look back on successes like that, I realize that's why this was such a wonderful place to live. And uh, the traffic wasn't bad. Um, Downtown was very walkable and accessible. Uh, It was just a nice place to be. So how do you feel now? Well, obviously, everything changes over the years. It's been 44 years. You've been here 44 years. And honestly, I I think things have really taken a a bad turn for the worse, particularly in the last 10 to 20 years. Uh, The good thing San Luis has going forward already has great weather. It's close to the beach. It's kind of midway in the state between San Francisco and Los Angeles, so you know, it's, a, it's a nice place to be. Four hours to Yosemite. Um, yep. You know, there's a lot of things like that that are just really great. And no matter how messed up government is, they can't really change those things, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I think it's those kinds of things that attract people here more than anything else. But then what's the bad part? Well, I think the bad part is... Uh, We've gone from a very limited growth to build anything everywhere and make it as small as possible so we can cram more units on. We have the uh, architectural styles that now we have new construction that has all the architectural charm of a garbage dumpster. I mean, seriously, it's it's awful. Um, City Hall has been basically shut down since the coronavirus. If you call there, you get a voicemail. They don't call you back. I was talking to a friend of mine today. He wanted to have an inspector come out for a project that he's doing. So, okay, Dave, if you were a contractor and you wanted to have somebody from the city come out, what would you do? I'd um, call the appropriate city office and explain my problem and Try to get somebody out there as soon as possible. Wrong. <laughs> you can call, but you'll get a voicemail that will never be answered. So then you will go online and you fill out what you want and when you want it, and you submit it. And then you will get an email back saying they're not available. Start over again. And, I mean, this is no way to run a railroad, much less a city hall. Well, um, the, the mayor last night was talking about this new app that they have, Ask SLO. And apparently you can communicate with city hall through this new app. Well, that's just great. You know, you never get to talk to a human being. And yet these people are paid six figures to kind of sit at home and look at emails. They're busy. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I have to mention that when the coronavirus hit in 2020, many businesses closed down. Many of them were forced to shut down as part of the fight against the coronavirus. Of course, City Hall also shut down. But nobody from City Hall was laid off. No one. No one. The only people who were not rehired were folks like in the Parks and Rec Department who were temporary to do after-school programs and that sort of thing, because those things were canceled. So they weren't really laid off, per se. They're temporary anyway. But nobody at City Hall was laid off. And I just, it it just, it it amazes me. I mean, what is so wonderful about the staff that they couldn't use that as an excuse to cut some of this dead wood and uh, then kind of start over fresh? One of the problems I have with government, and I will say this as a former state employee, having worked for Eric and Carol, 
Um, my situation was a little different because I served at the pleasure of the member. But many people who are in government jobs stay there as long as possible. And even if their job has really kind of been eliminated, there is no incentive to retire because the longer you stay, the bigger retirement you yeah, get. Absolutely. And unfortunately, they are, there are a lot of younger people coming up who would love to get into some of these jobs because they have a career. They want to start. They want to pay off their student loans that Biden's not going to pay off. And, you know, I think there's a good excuse to just say, you know what, we're, we're cutting back. We're going to, you know, end some of these, promote some people within and start getting some fresh faces in there. But it doesn't really happen in the government. In private sector, of course, it happens all the time. All right, let's say Halls is here for the hour, giving her a chance to respond to uh, Mayor Stewart, who was on the show last night. Uh, Leslie has been in the community since 1979. She's concerned by some of the changes. We'll expand on that. Your phone call still to come right here on AM 920, FM 96.5 News Talk, KVEC. You have landed on the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. Leslie Halls is here. She's been in town since 1979, loved San Luis Obispo, but she thinks it has changed for the worst these uh, last 10 to uh, 20 years, responding to the mayor who was on the show last night with a more positive approach. Things, uh, um, Pierre Rademacher was here a couple weeks ago, architectural historian, mm-hmm. and change is constant. Change is the only constant. Things just change. I would agree with that. But, you know, are they changing for the better or for the worse? That's the question. What about the downtown? You come downtown much? Not too much anymore. I used to go downtown all the time. And, of course, I worked downtown back in the 80s. You live out in the Laguna Lake area. Yes. I love living out there. You know, everybody thinks it's a somehow a lesser neighborhood because it's windy. But uh, <laughs> I have more problem with the airplanes flying over at 5 in the morning than uh, the wind coming up at 2 o'clock. I get that, too. Uh-huh. All right, so what's wrong with the downtown? Why won't you come downtown? Well, uh, number one, I get tired of seeing homeless people everywhere and the trash they generate. Uh, number two, there's just not a lot of stores down there that I particularly want to go in anymore. Uh, there are chain stores. There's a lot of vacant space. Mm. Beverly Fabrics has been vacant. Ross is vacant. Uh, you know, Charles Shoes, that whole thing. There's just a lot of vacant space down there, which doesn't encourage people to come down. For the life of me, if the city wants to encourage people to go downtown, I think they could... Uh, certainly lower the parking rates from $4 an hour, and uh, also give some free time in the garages as they used to, and thirdly, try and find some incentives to get some of these spaces either subdivided or rented out or something. It's just very discouraging to go downtown and see these empty spaces, and honestly, a lot of the stores down there just have no interest to me anymore. But who is going to take over that commercial space, Leslie? Because as you know, Stores don't want to open now because everybody's going online to do their shopping. Well, that's that's a very real dilemma, but that's what people in city government are supposed to figure out how to solve. Honestly, I mean, what are they there for other than to do ribbon cuttings? They should be promoting the good of the city, and the chamber doesn't really, as far as I know, do a whole lot in that regard anymore. I don't know if they ever did, but... Um, You know, if you're in government and you want to keep the city going, then you have to start looking at what can we do to make this work. I can't help but think that that space would be rentable if somebody, you know, recruited somebody to come there, was willing to work a bit more. If you got an incentive uh, to fix this place up, I'm sure you would do it. Could be more. uh, Could it be housing? 
Well, it could, but again, you're looking at, uh, if you were to convert the raw store or Beverly Fabrics into housing, you're looking at bazillions of dollars to put in plumbing and kitchen and everything else and tying up the streets. It's, it's very difficult. And, you know, they just decided to uh, change the Anderson Hotel to a homeless shelter place and evict all the folks who are living there. I just happened to know a couple of ladies who live there. They're in wheelchairs. They're very poor. I don't know where they're going to go, honestly. But I was was told that they're being moved out while the place is being refurbished and then they're going to be brought back in. I don't know, but I doubt that these ladies want to live around a bunch of homeless people. I mean, they're, uh, you know, if I were living there, I would be nervous, honestly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I know that there's, you have to be buzzed into the lobby and all this sort of thing. There is some good security there, but it would just make me nervous. Well, what are we supposed to do with the homeless people? <laughs> Beats me. <laughs> That's what the city's supposed to figure out, Dave. Mm-hmm. Instead of worrying about bike lanes, maybe they should start worrying about the things that impact everybody instead of just bicyclists. You're not a fan of the bike lanes. Well, I, I think we've uh, gone overboard on this. There's not that many people that use them. But, of course, whenever we have one of these meetings, like the mayor was talking about, where you come and set your priorities, the bike lobby shows up. And when they take these uh, counts of bicycle riders, they get the word out so everybody rides their bicycle. Now, I have to tell you, in 2020, I worked on Cherie Sweeney's campaign, and I was one of those people who went around on different days waving signs at various intersections. The perception was that we were everywhere. We weren't. There were only about a dozen of us that showed up every day, but it was a a very good uh, advertising thing, and it did raise her awareness, although she did not get elected. But I got to tell you, being at all those different intersections, I could count on one hand every day how many people I saw riding a bicycle between 7.30 and 9 in the morning. I could also tell you on one hand how many people were riding buses at that point. Now, mind you, and I'm sure somebody's going to light up the phone and say, well, the coronavirus was on and blah, blah, blah. Well, the mayor said that. She said the coronavirus, but once the students come back, the buses will be full again. I've never seen them full. And I've lived here a long time. And I, every time I see one on the street, I look. There's sometimes no one there, maybe two or three people. It just doesn't happen. On the Stolberg line, uh, Danny checks in from Grover Beach. Hi, Danny. I can't agree more with Leslie about San Luis Obispo in the late 70s until now. Downtown was so mom and pop. I think a lot of it's due to the government is all from Los Angeles. There are no longer locals that have lived here all their life. I think L.A. moves up here to get away, but brings L.A. with them. I would agree with that. And obviously, that's who all the new housing is going toward. Let's talk about that for a second. Sure. You know, I live off of Madonna Road in the Laguna Lake neighborhood. I uh, enjoyed looking at the Delidio property for years. And, of course, now I don't enjoy looking at it because we have these uh, glorified dumpster architectural things. And I got to tell you, it's very discouraging. I look over there and see these boxes, and I guess it's like living in Manhattan, but it's a little bit cheaper. These uh, three-story condos are, uh, let's see, three bedrooms, four bathrooms. Each bedroom has its own bathroom, and then there's one, I assume, downstairs. A half bath. A half bath downstairs. So everybody can use his own bathroom, but then there's one if you have to go use the bathroom. Uh, There's a kitchen and a living room and a very, very small two-car garage. These things start at $680,000. There is no yard. The yard is smaller than this room. 
And you can actually look across and see your neighbor in his room. Uh, you know, it's like yeah, they're in close. Manhattan. You know, yeah. they're very close. But they're all being sold. Well, who do you think is buying those? They do can't think, keep up with the demand. Do you think locals are buying those? I was told that in the in that area that you're talking about, uh, city employees are getting in a lottery because oh. they want they want city employees to have a chance to buy a house in San Luis Obispo. Who do you think is buying them? Well, I think some of them are parents from out of town who are buying them for their kids to go to Cal Poly. That's um, interesting what you said about the city employees and the lottery. Yeah. What, is the city going to give them a down payment or something? No, it's, 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 it's that some of those houses are lower price. And city employees are going to be able, if they want to buy a house, to put their name in a lottery and have a crack at home ownership. Well, can't anybody do that? Uh, my understanding is that this was city employees. Well... I, from what little you've told me, I just think that's kind of wrong because city employees make very good money, far more than the average person who's here. Plus, they have wonderful benefits. Um, isn't it enough? I mean, a policeman starts at eighty-five or ninety thousand dollars a year with an AA degree. That's pretty good money, in my opinion. But what do I know? Hey. <laughs> so you'd prefer that they have not built the houses, or you want them to build better houses? Uh, I would want them to build better houses and give people a yard. They're not family-friendly. This is becoming a very non-family-friendly city. But you used to work in construction, Leslie. You yes. know the problem. The developer fees are so insane. They are. That the the price of the house going in is insane. I completely agree. I heard a wonderful presentation by Dennis Moresco from Midland Pacific Builders. I believe he went to Cal Poly and he's been here ever since. And a few years ago, he gave a talk to the Slow Property and Business Owners Association as one of three panelists about the cost of housing. And the amount of money that is due up front in fees, studies, mitigations, by the time you get done, you can see why something costs $800,000. On the Stolberg line, bike lanes killing this town. I can't stand waiting at intersections because of overboard bike lanes. The city represents the bicyclists, not the people of the town. I'm sick of the development. It's just not the best for this town. I would agree with that. You know, um, where I live on Madonna and Ocean Air, there are now these crazy bike lanes, and the city removed on-street parking in front of four houses there at Madonna and Ocean Air. I talked to one of the neighbors there, and he said they knew nothing about this. Suddenly the city crews came out, put no parking signs, and installed this whole thing. So these folks that have lived there for who knows how long no longer have parking in front of their house. All right, we've got Leslie Halls parked right here, sharing her concerns about the way the city's been going these last few years. We've got news and traffic and weather. More conversation and your phone call still to come. This is Hometown Radio. Glad to have you with us on Hometown Radio as we converse with Leslie Hall. She has been in this town since 1979, but she thinks it has changed for the worse last uh, eh, throughout the century, I guess. She heard the mayor on the show last night 
Leslie called in with a different point of view, so we invite her to come in and kind of elaborate on that. If you want to join us, please do. Phone lines are open, 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832 as we talk about the direction that this city is heading in. Although the obvious question is, Leslie, why do you stay? Well, as I started out in the beginning, I like the weather. I like being close to the beach. But really, a big part of anybody's life is not just where you live, but uh, what you do there. I have a lot of friends that I've known for 40 years and newer ones that I've met during that time. And I have to tell you, as a senior citizen, as you get older, the ways that you used to make friends no longer exist. I made a lot of friends through my children at school, other parents, that sort of thing. I made a lot of friends through work because I worked and just met tons of people that way. But once you're retired, uh, you don't have those options, and it becomes much more difficult to uh, join in with something. And I think a lot of people, when they move to retirement communities, I'm sure some of them suffer this because their past is something no one knows about. They have no connections to this new community. And I could see that happening to myself if I were to move somewhere else. I think a lot of people move to be closer to their grandchildren, which is completely understandable. But it's very difficult to leave when you've lived somewhere for so long and so much of your life is tied up here. On the Stolberg text line, your guest is so spot on, it's actually scary. Well, <laughs> thank you, right. dear. Thank you. Let's take some calls. 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We start with Pete in San Luis. Hi, Pete. Hi. Hi. I did not hear the broadcast last night. <clears throat> I wanted to, but I got tied up. Podcast is up. And you can hear it then. I couldn't agree more with your guest. Thank you. I think this town is, is in, it's either been wrecked or rapidly being wrecked by the rampant growth. But on top of that, something that's always irked me like mad is the almost Soviet-style buildings we're getting. Soviet-style buildings? Yes. It's actually criminal. I, and, I completely <clears throat> agree. Well, wait a minute. What 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 are the Soviet-style buildings, Pete? Well, that's kind of a, a term to, to describe soulless, jam-packed, uh, block housing or buildings. Um, you know, look at the Andrews building, then go look at some new stuff. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Look at all the housing tracks, the vast stretches of, you know, two, three, four story, you know, soulless condos, apartments, stuff like that. Um, I'm a, I'm a, a, a rabid conservationist yeah. and I see we're destroying the planet by covering it with asphalt, stucco and concrete. Leslie, <clears throat> Leslie, you want to comment? I completely agree with you. I made the remark earlier. They have the char. The these new buildings have the charm of a garbage dumpster. They're just boxes, yeah. and um, I think it's terrible. <clears throat> we look at the Delidio property that Ernie Delidio wanted to develop for years and years, and he wasn't able to. And now all that Class One farm soil has been completely paved over, and people don't even have yards to grow tomatoes in. But now they have a place to live. You know what? Um, but who are these people? They're coming from out of town and escaping someplace else. And I understand that. But you also have to realize two things. Number one, the state is telling us to build stuff because we need housing. But number two, people are leaving the state. So I'm a little bit conflicted as to why we need more housing if people are leaving the state. But I completely agree with our caller here. Thank you. Because they're not leaving here. That's why. Pete, what else from you? Yeah, yeah, we're one of two states that has lost population since the last census. 
and <clears throat> so it's ridiculous. Yeah, these bills, SB six, I think it was by Wiener in San Francisco, are, are just destroying our state, uh, taking local control away from locals. Yes, to determine their own destiny. But <clears throat> so, Dave, it's not just growth; it's hideous, ugly, soulless growth. Okay, they could do it with a lot more grace and style. And they don't give a damn. They just pack them in like sardines. <clears throat> it's all about money. And <clears throat> right. we're, sure, we're all immigrants. I'm an immigrant. Both of you are. We're all immigrants. But I didn't come here and cause something to be built. I, I moved into an existing, long-standing place. It's a little different than the hordes that are causing all of these ghastly housing tracks and so on, and all the, the pollution, the traffic, the noise, the loss of habitat. All right, Pete. Um, I appreciate the well, call. Well, All right. Thank you. Anything else you want to say to Pete? Well, I completely agree. And you know where I live, I used to see these big buzzards all the time. And I have a phone pole in my backyard. And sometimes I'd see like four or five of them early in the morning stretching their wings out. It was kind of neat. And after all these homes were built over there on the Delidio property, I think I've seen one bird maybe twice in the last two years. They're gone. And it's sad. We are destroying the environment. We got a Dirk in San Luis on KVEC. Hi, Dirk. Yeah, it's kind of ironic. If she's in that Laguna Lake area, she's probably seen me around. I'm a 67-year-old white Caucasian homeless man. I've been homeless here for, what, 15 years? Frankly, I don't much like uh, care looking at old uh, Caucasian white girls either. It's kind of ironic that my, that the uh, McDonald's that's over at McDonald Plaza. I just came from there. I was studying Sanskrit, which is one of the hardest disciplines you'd ever want to be involved in. I don't bother anybody. I don't panhandle anybody. It's, it's a cultural, social, economic thing. The community is disgusting. You people keep the hell away from me. We'll be along just fine, George. Okay. Goodbye. All right, all right, Dirk. Derek, sometime you have to call in and talk on the topic. <laughs> well, you know, I don't hate you, Derek. I'm sorry you don't like me because I'm a white Caucasian old lady. I didn't choose to be old. It just sort of happened. Chris is in Los Osos on KVEC. Hi, Chris. Hi. Hi, uh, Chris. Great, good afternoon. It's beautiful out. It's interesting. Um, good topic. Uh, you know, it's amazing that all these houses that are here, you know, must have been here since the... Uh, uh, the indigenous, because um, that last guy, well, not the last guy, the time before, the guy who said, like, I didn't, I moved into an existing house. Well, that house didn't always exist. Uh, frankly, these, the folks are like, oh, out-of-towners. Boy, that's code for somebody that doesn't look like us. Uh, I, You know, there's got to be housing. And there's got to be housing for workforce for the young families. And uh, I agree that they could, some of these housing projects could look better. Some of these uh, multi-family uh, units um you know, aren't particularly uh, beautiful, um, and that's a challenge, um, you know, to pencil out for the developers. But, you know, again, this, you know, this rampant nimbyism, like, I got mine, you can't have it. Uh, who are these people? Uh, we don't know these people. We've lived here forever. My grandparents lived here. I just get so sick of that because, you know, growing up in a military family, I was always, always the new kid. My family did not come over on the on the Mayflower and did not have roots that went back centuries. No, my family sacrificed by being moved every every six months. And so, yeah, I've always been a newcomer, and I just bristle at the, at the folks here who just say, "Well, we don't need any more new people. These new people are ruining it." Well, that's, that's, a, just, that's just hang on, Chris. Elitism. Let's have Leslie respond. Well, here's my concern, and I thank your family for your service. I think the stuff we are building is not addressing the needs of local people. 
uh, anything that starts at $680,000 is not workforce housing, and yet that's what we're building. I think we are building the wrong stuff. And I think uh, one option might be to have more mobile home parks. We haven't had a new mobile home park here I agree. I th- for maybe as long as I've lived here. But, you know, the solutions that are being offered are not solutions for local people. I have no problem with somebody moving here. I moved here when my husband took a job here. My concern is that let's keep the community beautiful. Let's build stuff that people would want to live in. Let's figure out a way to bring down the cost, which is a big part of it is city fees. Mm. And, um, it, it, you know, we're, we're kind of on the same page here, I feel. I don't think anybody is resentful of people wanting to come and live here. What we are resentful of is the way the town is developing to meet that need. Chris. It's but ugly, in my opinion. Chris. <laughs> I certainly agree with the mobile home park uh, situation, too. Those are the last great neighborhoods around there that are somewhat affordable. Um, and even those are a little bit, <laughs> even those are higher. But uh, yes, thank you. All right, Chris, thanks for the call. 805-543-8830, 800-549-5832 for Leslie Halls. Uh, we've got John joining us in San Luis. Hi, John. Hello, hello. Hey, John. I'd like, to say, I'd like to say to your guest, thank you, thank you, thank you. You've been talking about some great stuff that, that I feel I've always wanted to say but never you know, been bold enough to come out and, and just say it. But, you know, I, I've been born and raised in San Luis Obispo, and the transition has been terrible. Um, we, I remember you couldn't open a business in San Luis or put a building downtown unless it was Spanish-oriented to go with the mission. Now we got these ugly shoebox buildings popping up all over the place that are just disgraceful. It, it, it's terrible to see. And we have, we have a complete far-left city council, and it, it should be made fair. There should be a split. There should be three conservatives and three and three lefts on, for for the city council. So we get both sides. Right now, we don't have a voice. We have no voice down there to do anything. And ah, just the direction is is really really hard to hard to swallow. Maybe we That's need Leslie Halls to run for city council. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> I don't like losing all the time. <laughs> well, what, react to what John's saying. Well, I, I completely agree with you, and I feel like we have a city council and staff that have their own agenda, and um, they really don't take a whole lot of input from folks like you and me. I nope. think they have a goal. You know, I don't know if you know this, but when the land use and circulation element was updated a few years ago, there was a provision in there that 40% of this would go into alternative transportation. So we're looking at 40 cents out of every dollar, not going into fixing roads, not going into fixing, you know, that sort of thing, but going into bike lanes, buses, alternative transportation. And, you know, that sounds great, but Unfortunately, uh, this kind of social engineering that you're doing by way of this just isn't working real well here. And I could go on about that a long time, but I, I think we're both kind of on the same page. And I think we do need other voices. They talk about diversity, but there's no diversity of thought. And no, I think that's nope. that's the biggest problem. And, you know, I've gone to those meetings where they set priorities at the Ludwig Center. And yeah, that's kind of a phony thing, too. They kind of do what they want to do. I'll give you an example. Several years ago, um, a bunch of kids heard about this and they showed up en masse, like 300 kids who said they wanted a skate park. Eight years later, the city finally built the skate park. By then, all those kids were 
out of school, no, out of skating. college. Yeah. You know, they weren't even around anymore. But they postponed this for eight years, and this is a $2 million project because that wasn't a priority at City Hall. Mm. I look at the dredging of uh, Laguna Lake. For years, people said, we need to dredge Laguna Lake. They finally, finally did it. But that was not a priority at City Hall. So a lot of these things that come out of this are supposed to look like we're following the citizens' direction, but it doesn't happen. Well, John, what else do you want to say? Yeah. Oh, that just brought up another thing that reminded me of. In 1978, when I was in high school, uh, the big push was we needed to get the crown, the field recrowned. We needed a new field for the football team. And how long did it take? We just now got a new stadium last year. That was 78 to 2021. <laughs> yeah. That's a, I've, I've got kids and I'm a grandfather now. But is, is, that's, a, that's a school board. Well, that's the San Luis yeah. Coastal School District. Yeah, yeah. yeah not yeah. the city. But uh, again, the same concept. It becomes low priority. All right, John. Thank you. By the way, you have multiple texts coming in on the Stolberg line all agreeing with you. Oh, well, thank you, guys. I'll read, to those, I'll read those if I get a chance. Meanwhile, here's Scott on KVEC. Hi, Scott. Hello, Dave. Hello, Lindsay. Hi. Hey, uh, thank you for coming on the air. We're actually neighbors. Oh, okay. Um, you know, this this grant that the city is getting, in fact, uh, the mayor mentioned it last night, um, I think um, they need to put some of that money for reverse engineering when they decide to build the, the South Higuera project and the North Choro project. So when there's outcry, like there was in North Choro a long time ago, that they'll have money to re-engineer the roads back to normal. I think that's remember, an excellent do you remember point. Nor- do you remember what happened in 2006, Dave? Did That's when they did the kind of the circus on the roads, and everybody hated it, and they needed you know, almost $200,000 to remove it, for example. <laughs> uh. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> well, and they put bazillions of dollars into roundabouts. There was a $2.2 million item in the budget in 2020 to build a roundabout at California and Taft Street. And I'm like, why are we doing this? What What is the point? We've never had a problem there before. I, I think they get this grant money and they have to spend it or they're going to lose it. So they do things that maybe in the long run aren't the smartest. Just because you have money and you get a grant doesn't mean you got to use it. You know, let's be judicious about this and do something real with it. And yes, I know it's for a specific purpose and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? Just use a little common sense. Scott, do you agree with what I- Leslie's saying? Absolutely. I, and in fact, I agree with all the callers. I also want to bring up another issue. Um, I've had clients that order a lot of packages in town. In fact, I've also had a client that sells a FedEx. And uh, FedEx has, and UPS has a strategy where they have to look at their global map where all their packages go. In fact, they know exactly how long it takes for every package to get to its destination. And with the bike lanes and the elimination of roads, it's actually increasing the cost of packaging. And people don't know that. So if you want to keep ordering on Amazon or eBay or anything like that, you're paying more money for less roads. What they're doing is they're bottlenecking the town. So Marsh Street is bottlenecked. They think it's a wonderful idea, and they're patting themselves in the back. I don't know what they're patting themselves in the back is. They're congesting San Luis Obispo. And I don't understand why they want to take South Higuera one lane one way and then two lanes the other way and make a bike lane which is already there 
And it was already there on, on Marsh, uh, Monterey and Marsh Street, and they just decided to break into two lanes. It just doesn't make any sense, Leslie. All right, let's uh, hear from Leslie on that. I completely agree. And we have a lot of these streets that are clogged up, and if a delivery truck shows up somewhere, like on Pismo Street, you're basically down to one lane. So if a UPS truck or a FedEx truck has to stop there and unload stuff, there is no way to get around it, and the traffic backs up. That, that's just terrible. That is just terrible. And how the city can say we're so environmentally conscious and we want to stop greenhouse gases, and yet they deliberately engineer things to create more traffic and more exhaust and everything, it's a, it doesn't pencil. Right. I completely agree with you. Scott, thanks for the call. We'll come back for a final segment. Leslie Halls, I'm Dave Congleton on AM 920, FM 96.5 News Talk, KVEC. In our final segment with Leslie Halls, if you want in on this, we need to hear from you now, please. 805-543-8830. Jamie's in San Luis on KVEC. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Dave. Hi. Uh, hi, Leslie. Hi. Uh, hi. So I'm just, I mean, I, when I hear these discussions come up, because they just are, you know, people not wanting things to change, people wanting things to stay the way they are, claiming that people aren't in authority, aren't using common sense, that there isn't a diverse enough uh, city council when voters have put people in, you know, it's, it's, they've been elected. I struggle because um, I think back to... 1971, when we got Mission Plaza, and all the, it was just so contentious. Should we have it? Should we not? We're going to close off Monterey Street. It's going to prohibit parking. It's not going to allow for parking lots. People being so upset at going through so much turmoil. Today, nobody is thinking about that. Everybody is thinking how much they love Mission Plaza, how it has revived and reinvigorated our town. And people like me, uh, who I've lived here a really long time, you know, we take it for granted. The fact that somebody had to come in and do something new that would be very unpopular uh, to see into the future for the greater good of the city I think that's what our city council is trying to do. And you can call it an agenda, but really, I think they're trying to do what's best for this town. And if I have to hear one more thing about complaining about alternative transportation and how it's messing up people's lives who have lived here for God knows how long, I just, if the city does not progress and make it a better place for everyone, not just people who have lived here since whenever then we're not in step with population growth. And, you know, it, we're just going to be calcified in uh, preserved embalmed as we were. I don't want that to happen. Leslie, Well, comment. I don't want that to happen either. And I'm familiar with the controversy around Mission Plaza. And it turned out to be a wonderful thing. You may also recall that when... Um, out by Costco and Home Depot and all that was going in, uh, people were afraid that it was going to kill downtown. Or when the Madonna Road Plaza was built, it's going to kill downtown. Obviously, that did not happen. It's been a great source of sales tax revenue for the city. My question is, what are we doing today to improve the quality of life for people who live here? And I don't see a whole lot that is actually improving our quality of life. All right. I need a short response, Jamie. I disagree. I see so much. Um, I think it depends on your population, the the you know demographic you're in, the folks you interface with, whether you see that or not. 
Fair okay. enough. Jamie, I appreciate the call. Thank you. Let me try to squeeze in a couple more of these callers. Jim is in San Luis. Hi, Jim. Hi. Hi. Hey, I think uh, your last caller is totally missing the point. We've we've lost control because of the state is trying to take it away from us. So overgrowth, not enough water to supply this overgrowth, and clogging up downtown with unneeded bike lanes and wasting money, you know, that's the issue here. They're they're looking backwards. They're they're not being efficient. They're unwise leaders. And uh, I'm sorry, but this last caller is totally missing the point. Right. Is that yeah. Jim so we need yeah. more of the balance on the city council. That first caller was correct. I'm glad you called, Jim. Again, I'm short on time here. Let me get to uh, Amy in San Luis. Hi, Amy. Hello. Hi. You're on the air. Okay. Um, I wanted to um, make a suggestion that the caller that said um, she was tired of people um, complaining about the city council, I wanted to point out something about the Mission Plaza. The Mission Plaza idea came from the people who live here, yes. and in particular, Cal Poly students That's who right. advocated for that. It was a senior project that was done, and, you know, the senior, the um, city council at that time just shut them down, wouldn't listen to the people. There was a lot of community support, and it took some people in the community with some kind of power. I don't understand exactly what all, but finally we got it. So yeah. I think her point was exactly the opposite of what she was saying, you know? If you know the history of Mission Plaza. Thank you for listening. Amy, thank you for listening. Alan, I got about 15 seconds. We have an architectural review commission. I don't know what they're doing. If they're allowing all these new buildings that look so bad, they're not doing their job. Well said, Alan. Thank you. You got at least eight text messages agreeing with you. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Don't wait another three years to come back. (laughs) I miss you. (laughs) A short final thought, my friend. Well, um, Dave, thank you, first of all, for having me. And thank you for all the folks who called in, whether you agree or disagree with me. I think discussion is good. Um, You know, I don't have an agenda. I'm not running for city council. I'm not going to run in the future. I'm kind of done with all that. I don't need to build my resume. But I'm just a concerned citizen, and I love this town, but I'm very concerned with the way it's going. And thank you guys for listening. Thank you for being here, Leslie. Off we go. News, traffic, weather, 5 o'clock hour starts now. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kbec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.